Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a sales and marketing coach and LinkedIn lead generation service provider. I work with health, life, and mindset coaches and online service-based business owners to help them get more sales, shift their time to the client generating activities instead of just the busy work, and overcome that social media overwhelm. Let's get into the show. If you're ready to take on your next paying clients, I have good news. My free four basics of client attraction and how to stand out class is live at HaleyRowe.com slash client hyphen attraction. In the class, you're going to learn the top two traits I recommend for most coaches and entrepreneurs if they really want to turn this into a career. You're going to learn how you can build demand for your services and stop getting crickets on your posts. You're going to learn the sales roadmap I used to improve my sales conversion rate and help my clients do the same. And you're gonna learn so much more. So go to HaleyRowe.com slash client hyphen attraction and get your copy of the class today. All right, what's up guys? Thanks for joining us on the Elevate Your Life Summit today. We have the pleasure of hearing Haley Rowe talk to us about overcoming our limiting beliefs. And Haley is a certified human potential coach. She is a life coach and a marketing and sales consultant. Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on to chat with us about overcoming those limiting beliefs. And we'd love to jump in by hearing a little bit about your story and how some of the limiting beliefs you had as you were getting into um, entrepreneurship and elevating your own life and then how you overcame those. Absolutely. Yes. So I started in entrepreneurship when I was 16. And of course, my first thought or limiting belief was I'm too young. I can't do that. That's so silly. Right. And I ended up kind of dabbling in a couple different things and getting some coaching certifications and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I ended up getting my bachelor's in entrepreneurship and then working in the startup world and business development and marketing because I had the belief, I need more experience. I need to get out in the field and I am not ready yet to really go all in on my own business. And so I did that for a while. And I got to say, part of that limiting belief served me because I was able to get a lot of experience in a short period of time. And you were kind of forced at this job, well, at the jobs that I I was at, where you'd have to figure something out in a short time span. And because the company was giving me these assignments that I didn't feel qualified for, I still did them despite having limiting beliefs. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of helpful in that I felt the pressure to do it um, versus if I was on my own, I don't know if I would have, you know, forced myself to figure it out. And then in 2017, um, I had gone down the path of, you know, what I thought was I was going to work in the startup world and it was my dream job and I'm just going to grow with this company. And they had just told me I was about to get a promotion. And then in 2017, in one day, the entire team was let go because they had a bunch of different delays and, you know, they had to get approvals for certain things to be in the city that they wanted to be in and all this stuff. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess this path wasn't the safest route. And I might as well finally start my own business. And so that is when I really went all in on my own business and coaching and consulting individuals on their marketing and their sales and also their mindset and doing some life coaching because I'm a certified life coach as well. And I loved that and grew a lot and, you know, throughout those years. And um, it forced, it it was really just something where I realized you're never going to feel totally ready. So you might as well get started now. And and that's how we got to where we are today. 
There we go. So the biggest limiting belief that was kind of uh, showing up in your life was a lack of experience. Like I need more experience before I do X, Y, and Z. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. It's interesting how you said that limiting belief actually served you a little bit because it put you in an environment where it was high pressure and you were put in positions where you had to do stuff that you had limiting beliefs about anyway. And there was some accountability to doing that. And I think it's interesting. It speaks to how accountability can help us a shed light on our limiting beliefs, but then B help us overcome those limiting beliefs, because I don't know if it's the, what, what do you think? Do you think it's more the limiting belief that served you or the environment and accountability that you were, you know what? Yeah. I think it's more the accountability and the environment. So sometimes our limiting beliefs, take us out of opportunities. And other times in this situation, it kind of put me in an environment or I turned it into an opportunity. So I think with every limiting belief, one thing you can do is you can ask yourself, actually, how can I use this? How can I, and, and also start to poke holes in it. So in other words, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I need more experience. But what I realized when I was in that startup environment is nobody really knew what they were doing. It was like everybody just like, we got to figure this out, everyone. So um, I think that sometimes these limiting beliefs can be our biggest teachers if you explore it. And if you, you know, don't let it stop you from trying things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, let's uh take it back a little. We jumped a little bit into overcoming there. Um, let's go back to identifying these. So how do we find the root of our limiting beliefs? Like when did totally. you get to the point where you were like, okay, I know it's the lack of experience that I feel is holding me back and you identified that. Yeah. So I think the key when it comes to figuring out which limiting beliefs are holding you back the most is write down a goal you have and write down all the buts, like all the, I, I'd love to do this but blank, but I'm not good enough, but I'm not smart enough, but whatever, or fill in the blank to this question. I'm just the kind of person who blank. So I'm just the kind of person who's bad at sales. I'm just the kind of person who's really shy. I'm just the kind of person who, you know, just is disorganized all the time. I feel like I'm always catching my breath or something like that, who never has enough time, whatever it is, all of those, even though you might think that they're facts or they're a part of your identity and you really want to hold on to those parts of your identity because you just think that's how you are or someone told you that's how you are, we have to expose that they are actually beliefs. Because if you cannot prove them in a court of law, they are thoughts you have about yourself. And our thoughts about ourselves and our thoughts about others is what creates our relationship with ourselves. So the key is to really make that list and then look at that list and ask yourself, which of these causes me do I think the most pain? Mm -hmm. And I really love, I don't know if you've ever heard, I can't remember who said this quote, but it's something like, sometimes we know we have certain beliefs and that they're beliefs, but usually the ones that are causing the most problems in our life are the ones that we didn't even realize were just beliefs that we have about ourselves. Because we mm -hmm. think that they were literally, they are true and fact. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I I don't know if it's a direct quote from Alex Ramosi, but Alex yes. Ramosi, yeah. That's who I heard it from. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, epic. He was quoting somebody and he said, um, we question all the beliefs are we yes. something about questioning all our beliefs except the ones we never question, and those are the beliefs we actually hold 
to be factored. Spot in on. See, uh, I butchered it. You said it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you're an Alex Formosi fan. Oh, I love him. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so I like that. So you write down a goal and you write down all the buts you have, and that's how you start identifying some of those limiting beliefs and getting to the root of them. You can fill in the blank to that statement. I'm just the kind of person that um, doesn't mm-hmm. like to exercise or can't lift weights well or can't mm-hmm. market well, whatever it may be. And then uh, which of these causes you the most pain? And so once you've identified that story that causes you the most pain, mm-hmm. or maybe you asked that question and new beliefs popped up and now you kind of have that identified how do we go about recognizing the fallacies in the stories mm-hmm. we tell ourselves about that belief? Because I feel like a lot of people go out and seek evidence to reaffirm their belief. Like it's a common yes. human thing, confirmation bias. So how do we start to recognize those fallacies and shift our perspective? Totally. The way that you do that is not by positive affirmations, which a lot of people will tell you, well, just, you know what, brush it off. Just let it go. Just think that you're awesome. Okay. And that doesn't work, right? Yep. But what you do need to do is ask questions about it. You start by being curious. You want the the dominant feeling when you're trying to change a belief to something more productive should be something like curiosity or compassion or just interest. Like, oh my gosh, I think I'm bad at math, but let's like back it up for a second. When I was in school, I got a bad grade on math test. My parents just told me, oh, honey, you're just not very good at math. Then I thought I wasn't good at math. Then I stopped listening in math class. Then I stopped studying for the math test. Then I chose a major in college that didn't require any math because I wanted to avoid it at all costs. And then, of course, I didn't get better at math because my whole life I had this belief I wasn't good at math. So it's natural that I probably wouldn't be very good at this skill when I've turned myself off to it since the third grade, right? So you could see how... If you have a belief like that, you want to start poking holes in it. So you want to say, what else might be true? Or what if I didn't have this part of my identity that I think is a part of my identity? What would I be doing or what would I be thinking or what would be the first step to improve in this area? And a lot of times we think that something about ourselves that's a, that's a, what we call like a thought error or like a fallacy, as you called it, a lot of times it's just. Um, something, as you said, we gathered a lot of evidence for and confirmation bias. And so all we have to do is start swinging the pendulum the other way is gathering evidence for why could I be good at this? What could, what has there been a time when I wasn't shy, for example, if that's the thing that you're saying about yourself. So asking, like make yourself a little bit of a list of solution oriented questions. And what that means is they have to be open-ended questions. So it cannot be like, you know, yes or no question. It should be something that opens up. Like, I wonder, you know, where did this belief come from? Did I tell myself this or did somebody else tell me this? Or, um, you know, what could I learn from this? Or what do I want to believe about myself? Those kinds of questions will open up some opportunities. And then the next step is to start finding something you can believe that's in a positive direction, but that's what we like, that could be kind of like a, um, like a bridge to mm-hmm. what you want to believe about yourself. So you're not going to go from I'm terrible at math to I'm an amazing, smart math, mathlete, right? But yeah. what you might think is math is a skill that can be learned. And I believe that, right? Like, and get on board with that and say, okay, well, well, what would be the next logical step to start learning math or start disproving that I'm so terrible at math, right? Or ha- has there been a time I've been able to improve a different skill 
that kind of could translate in this situation, things like that. Mm, I like that a lot. The um, kind of small stepping stone to, okay, this is kind of what you want to believe about yourself. This is where you are. What's a small thing that can bridge the gap that is more oriented towards the process. Like math mm -hmm. is a learnable skill is more about the process of becoming somebody who is really good at math, as opposed to the result of I am really good at math. And it makes me think of this reel I saw on Instagram recently, of all places. Um, <laughs> just about the fact that people are really caught up in the result of things. And they're really caught mm -hmm. up on like, trying to get to the 1% from a net worth perspective. But when you look at your habits, are you doing, you can be in the 1% on an activity basis, and mm -hmm. maybe not on a, an income basis yet, because results are, they're kind of a lagging indicator, whereas like yes. activities are a leading indicator. And so it was just real interesting to me, because I, I read this quote about podcasts have like, 1% of podcasts go past episode 21. And so if you've wow. posted more than 21 episodes or 22 episodes on a podcast, you're in the top 1% of podcasters. But you know, for my podcast, I've literally posted daily for almost a year and a half. And it was nice. like, but I wouldn't have seen myself as an accomplished podcaster because my audience isn't where I want it to be, or it's not monetized how I want it to be monetized mm -hmm. quite yet, or it's not making the impact that I see it making in 10 years and 20 years. And it's just important to step back of like, well, the result is there for sure. That's where you want to be one day, but take it to right now. What's that process and how can you focus yeah. on the process and the identity attached that to the pro attach the identity to the process. So I really like that you said that. Thank totally. You. Oh my gosh. And I think that you make a really good point about having things that, you know, when it comes to up-leveling, you know, your positivity and your beliefs about yourself and your confidence, a lot of that stems back to honoring commitments to yourself. So it's not necessarily about getting to the end result, like right now, and that's how you be happy. A lot of times it's like, you want to be the kind of person who does what they say that they're going to do. And so setting up what is like, your daily basics that you could stick with that are planting seeds every day, even though you don't see the harvest yet that you can feel really good about and you can track and you can be like, wow, I am doing the process. And so it's inevitable that my success will come as long as I stay consistent with the process. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And, um, this, this may be an interesting question, but I've talked with my brother about this. I've felt it a bit myself and, you get to a point where you you hit that imposter syndrome, where you start trying to do something and you feel like an imposter when you are doing it. And it's because you believe something about yourself based on the stack of evidence that you've compiled for the limiting belief. And you don't have that stack of evidence for the abundant belief yet. And so, you know, when you're trying to do something, you feel like a liar. So how do we reconcile mm -hmm. the truth that we feel like is in some of these limiting beliefs of like, we see all this evidence for this limiting belief and move forward to stacking evidence for the more abundant belief at the same time? How do, what do we do with that feeling? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great question. So imposter syndrome usually, as you said, comes from thinking that you're not enough in some way, shape or form. And so when you're, of course, it's very natural that you wouldn't want to put yourself out there or share or be seen or, you know, start 
changing your identity, like doing things that push you outside your comfort zone. Cause you're like, who would want to listen to me? I'm not enough. I have nothing. I have no value to give stuff like that. So the thing you have to do and the worst case scenario that you have to come around to is you're all you're doing right now. You're feeling an uncomfortable emotion, which is inadequacy, not enoughness. I feel like I'm not enough. And all that is, is a feeling and feelings cannot harm us unless we let them stop us from doing things right that we maybe want to be doing or we let them cause us to react really strongly like get really angry and punch someone in the face then our anger was a harmful emotion because it probably harmed <laughs> somebody else right but when you allow yourself to have a feeling to process it sit with it not judge yourself for having it and just being like of course i feel imposter syndrome uh, pretty much every human has this in some way, shape or form. We're all brought up with, you know, things that happen at school or at home or whatever. And we form these opinions on it. And I've just been gathering evidence for this. And when you can just like give space for that and say, yes, we have this feeling and I'm still going to take a step to build the new belief that I am enough and that I am adequate. And you do it with the discomfort kind of in the passenger seat or is like a little backpack you're wearing is a little heavy backpack, but you don't let it stop you or drag you down or cause you to fall on the floor, right? Then it's like, okay, now you're moving forward. But here's the deal, either route, so staying in imposter syndrome and not doing anything, and then the other option of having imposter syndrome and doing something, both feel bad. Which one has a better upside and potential? Obviously, moving forward with imposter syndrome is a better way to go. You're going to learn way more about yourself. So to me, it's more about I'm very analytical and logical. And I'm just like, well, obviously, I am I would rather pick something that has an upside than just stay here paralyzed and not do anything. Yeah, I got you. And I think something that I realized and that you just said is the not judging yourself in the process of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the thing that allows you to hold imposter syndrome up while still moving forward towards action is that not judging yourself. Cause the second you, you know, you might get some criticism on the way and you might feel some criticism from yourself. And so when you really start to judge yourself based on that, either self-criticism or outer criticism, um, that's when you really start to shut down. Cause you start to reinforce that negativity and reinforce and you, then you give it power. And so the not judging yourself there, I feel like is what allows people to really hold it up. So I'm so glad you said that because man, it's easy to be hard on yourself and the negative self-talk for honestly, like probably 99% of us is almost automatic and you have to be really intentional. Oh yeah. It. Yeah. And I think the other thing you you expose yourself to when you move forward and put yourself out there is statements, as you said, from others. And it's one thing. So like, if I told you, wow, you have red hair. What's up with that? You're like not shaken by that because you're like, no, I don't. I do not have red hair. It's very visibly not red, yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> but if you had like a little like self-consciousness about your hair for some reason or something, mm -hmm. and I said that, it would maybe uh, tumble up some feelings in you, right? So when you're putting yourself out there, you are exposing yourself to people saying statements, but what you have to work on your work is to know that they can't affect you or they can't cause you to, you know, have feelings. It's your thought about what they said that's causing you to have certain feelings. So what's really interesting is whenever you're shaken up by something somebody else says to you, it's actually an opportunity to be like, 
interesting. I must think part of this might be true. Or of course, you're just a natural human being who, you know, wants to be liked and belong. And that could be it too. But I think sometimes we have to lean into that and be like, huh, is this a belief I have about myself too? Or is there a skill I want to get better at? Or like, what's going on here that I'm reacting so strongly to what this person said? Mm. One of the questions I was going to ask you that you just answered flawlessly was like, how do we, how do we identify the factors in our life that are influencing our limiting beliefs? And it's like, if you have an interaction with a person, a thing, a place, whatever it may be, and then you're triggered and you have this negative emotion rise up in you, you can then track that emotion back to a belief. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yes. You just nailed it because it doesn't, the trigger, it's the circumstance itself, meaning like the, per, the statement that somebody said, or the traffic on the road, you know, the cars in front of you, that can't directly <clears throat> cause you to feel certain way. There's something in between the situation and the feeling you have. And that's what you have to get clear on. And most people never look into that. They just say, well, I, they blame. So that, that person's just mean or the, you know, that wasn't my fault that there was traffic like, and so what we have to do is actually say, whoa, 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 that stuff's there. It's not what, what causes the feeling about it is your interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Kind of shifting gears here a little bit, but sticking on limiting beliefs. Do you find that the intent behind our limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves is well-intended or is it malicious in nature in its nature? Really? Yeah. So I think sometimes it's to keep us actually safe and it, it's our, it's fake to, I mean, it's not um, truly keeping us safe, but our brains think it is. Yep. So any, obviously our brains are wired to seek pleasure, avoid pain, protect ourselves, right. And survive. Mm -hmm. So anything that is out of the ordinary for you um, it, or maybe is different than society norms or, you know, something like that, your brain's going to kind of be like, mm, no, nothing. <laughs> let's just stay safe. Let's do what everybody else is doing, all of that. So what I think um, you think it's serving you, but it's really not. And I think a lot of times too, on the other side of that is we have self-sabotaging beliefs. So they're not malicious, but it's kind of like we fear success. And so every time we get close, maybe you have something that you do, that's a pattern for you that interjects. And because you, at the end of the day, you have a root belief that, for example, like being rich and wealthy is evil or yeah. those people aren't, you know, good people or something like that. And so then it's, it's gonna, you, whether you realize it or not, you might be self-sabotaging yourself, keeping you from getting to that point. And the other thing is, um, I, like every, every subject, whether it's money, your opinion of yourself, your society, your, your friends, I would suggest to figure out if you're self-sabotaging yourself or if you are, um, you know, having these like safety thoughts, um, I would just write a little bit of a brain dump of the things you think about those things. Cause most of us never even explore it. We don't even, we're just yeah. like, my job's fine. My life's fine. It's all good. I'm just going to stay content. But like, for example, with the money thing, one person can think money's the root of all evil or rich people end up being rude or something like that. While somebody else is like, I, I think that money actually makes you more of who you already are. So if you're generous, you're just going to be more generous. If you're an a-hole, 
you're just going to be one. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one belief I think. So I don't have a problem with making money and receiving money because I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's just an enhancement to life. It's just something that can expand me and allow me to give back more and and do things like that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love the brain dump idea because you'll really find pretty nuanced limiting beliefs. And an example of this, I mean, this happened for me. I've been in like the entrepreneurial game, like learning about it, trying to do stuff, taking action on it for a while now. And just recently, I realized why I hadn't made any real tangible progress. And this was because I had a belief that spending money was painful. But that's not where the belief like Mm -hmm. was impacting me. I so I realized, you know, every time I was young, my parents would be like, do you have Reese's money? Because it's like I wanted a Reese's at the store. It cost like a dollar or two. You don't think a dollar is a lot of money, but your parents are stressing about it. And so you start to internalize that stress and like it hurts Mm -hmm. to spend money, even a dollar or two, which is why a lot of us pinch pennies. Right. Yeah. But that belief extended to business because every time I was interacting with somebody, if I was going to sell something, I had the belief that it hurt to spend money. And then I would project that belief onto the other person, onto the potential customer, the prospect. I'd be like, well, if it hurts me to spend money and it hurts them to spend money by me asking them to buy the thing that I'm selling, I am causing them pain. And then you have that. Yeah. (laughs) And then I had that idea of like, I'm a good person and good people don't cause people pain. And so it was just this innate like Ooh. clash that was happening. Dang, that is some good work on yourself. I know. Notice that. It was wild. I like, oh, it just blew my mind. So example of nuanced limiting beliefs. Totally. <laughs> I could totally see that. I think I have that belief slightly in my head too of like, oh, spending money is like, it's like, oh, I want to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't allow you to grow that way. And it's definitely, I think it comes from that scarcity mindset, which if any of us, you know, grew up with people saying, oh, well, money doesn't grow on trees or you got to really save and be responsible or, you know, stuff like that. It can definitely impact how you see things going forward. So yeah, yeah good work on that. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, just another point, you talked about how you still have that belief, but like you also don't have it to the extent other people have it. Like billionaires yeah. still have that belief. Like Bill Gates will talk about mm-hmm. the fact that he tips frugally at restaurants. Yeah. When the man could tip literally a million dollars and not even sweat, he tips frugally. And it was just interesting because like when you start pushing through limiting beliefs and you start doing work, it's like um, you might've pushed through a level, like maybe spending 10,000 isn't painful for you anymore, but spending a hundred thousand might be painful for you because you haven't done the work to like see yourself as a person who can receive that or give that. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's not like, it's not like you do these things and you're done with it. Exactly. There's always new ceilings. Every, Mm -hmm. every person has a new ceiling to break. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've talked a little bit about that intent and most of the time it's well-intended. And then sometimes there's that self-sabotage destructive pattern that's based on a root belief. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I just want to be really clear for everybody here. What do what can we do to like accept that intent and really start to shed the limiting belief and then redirect the energy towards mm, what we do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first thing I would do, as I said, is in order to accept it and shed it, you have to know what it even is. A lot of time. So step one is do that brain dump. Step two is identify which things are the most painful. Step three is to um, and actually, I'm going to share this. This is from cognitive behavioral 
like therapy. I did not make this up. This is like a known thing in the coaching world. And it's a process called name, notice, neutralize, and then next best step or action. So what that means, this is how you move forward. So you name what the label is or the limiting belief or the thing, the feeling is that, and the feeling that's caused by it. You notice what that feels like in your body. You notice, you know, with some curiosity and not judgment of like, in, I'm, I'm wondering why I'm having this. I, you know, I, I can notice how this plays out in certain examples. Here's some examples, et cetera. Then you kind of want to neutralize it. So again, not shifting to, well, I need to be really positive now, but more so like, I wonder what, how else could I see this? Or what's the next, you know, what's like a thing I could explore next time in that situation? Or um, what would be a more a way I could feel calmer about all this? And then you move to what's the next best step or action? Do I want to, you know, try something different? Do I want to try a next like a new thought on for size and see how that goes for me? Do I want to uh, take a certain action with fear and notice I didn't die and then build confidence as a result, right? Um, But that's a good process to use when you're noticing yourself having like a feeling or a thought that is causing you to, you know, not take action or avoid things you want to do in life. The other thing that you could do to redirect is, as I said before, ask those solution oriented questions. So anytime you catch yourself like, why is business so hard? Or why do I never have time for the things I want? Flip the question to something more solution oriented. So how could I create the time that I want? Or how could I make entrepreneurship easier for myself? What are some ideas I have? Or uh, if you're saying getting clients is so hard, you could ask yourself, if I had to get a client tomorrow, what would I do? You know, something like that. And the other thing is, um, Creating your own kind of, if you direct your energy, you are being proactive versus if you let your energy, if you don't do anything to look at your beliefs or to, you don't have a journal practice or you don't do a walk to manage your stress or something like that, like then the day might own you. So my suggestion is determine what are your own uh, principles or ways that you are proactive about the beliefs you want to have and the day you want to have. And one thing I have in my phone notes that I have accumulated as I listen to podcasts or I have conversations with mentors or I just come up with them myself is um, a little belief list on my phone. And it's things that I want to endorse and embrace. And it's things that I want to grow into. So it might be stuff I don't fully believe yet, but I'm like, whoa, that's cool and inspiring. I want to put that on my list, right? And then giving myself like daily journal prompts that could help me start to demonstrate that like and and live that today is something that I do. And the last thing I'd say is anytime you're trying to level something up, instead of forcing yourself to have unrealistic expectations and like transform overnight, um, the, you might have heard, I mean, I don't know who came up with this, but it's uh, good, better, best. So always identify, you're not always going to be the best choice every day or have the best beliefs about yourself every day, but you can always choose between on the spectrum of good, better, and best. And as long as you're continuing to grow and continuing to, you know, just pay attention to what could be a way I could improve, uh, you're going to be in much better shape than if you had not used that little tool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good, better, best. I like that. And so- is that like it's good, better, best kind of a tool to give yourself grace in the self-improvement 
process. Like you're not aiming mm -hmm. for perfection, but you've identified good, better, and best. And you're always striving for one yes. of those three. Yeah. You got to let the journey be messy. And I think one last thing about redirecting your energy and shedding limiting beliefs is understanding that it is totally normal and natural to, for half of your thoughts to be negative and have to be positive. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with you. You're not special. Like this is just the human condition. And so when you allow there to be space for failure, negative emotions, feeling tired, et cetera, you open up so much because you're not like adding more resistance on top of your suffering. You're just like, oh, of course, sometimes I'm going to feel tired or of course, sometimes I'm going to feel not confident enough. And you're just like, okay, so what? <laughs> like, yeah, normal. Yeah, I love it. And so that's funny. One of my next questions was going to be, how do we practice self-compassion and forgiveness for past mistakes or failures that may have contributed to your limiting beliefs? And I feel mm -hmm. like part of that, especially the self-compassion part, is what you just said of like understanding it's normal and then opening up space for that. And so that does that look like? Because so this is a conundrum for a lot of people mm -hmm. coming into the space of like when you open up space for yourself to kind of be normal not the perfect self-improvement icon right um but then you have to hold up discipline with that and so it's like mm -hmm. well sometimes i feel bad and i don't want to do it but also discipline is needed i feel like maybe there's a good better best plug there or maybe yeah. there's something else but can you just talk to that a little bit yeah sometimes self-compassion is disciplining yourself or is saying we're not going down that mindset rabbit hole today mm. you can come back to that later you can set a time to worry all you want but right now i have this meeting and we're going to focus on that so sometimes it is being a little firm with yourself it doesn't always mean bubble baths and like oh let's just you know sit around whatever um but i think a way to to be compassionate with yourself and and forgive yourself a couple things one Talk to yourself like you would a friend or your mom or somebody you really love, your pet. Like you probably wouldn't be beating them up for if they told you they made a mistake or they had a fail or something, you probably wouldn't be like, oh, well, that's, you're terrible, right? Like, no, you'd be like, oh, well, what happened? And probably lean in and, and talk to them like they were a friend. So do that with yourself more often. And I think the other thing is to, um, part of self-compassion is um, embracing failure and mistakes. So I think knowing like when you can befriend those and you can be like, nothing's wrong with me. And actually one thing I do is I track all types of results. So if, even if I get a no from somebody, I still am like proud of myself for that because I'm like, wow, good. You put yourself in the ring. You tried something. And that to me is like a compassionate thing. It's just honoring all your wins and failures and um, as I said before, the last thing to do with with self-compassion is um, understand the worst case scenario is a feeling and you will always decide that you're always going to have your own back in some way, shape or form. So one example of this is early on in my business. Nowadays, I don't really need to do this because your skin gets very thick. But in the beginning, if I would get a rejection or something or I like really uh, wanted something and maybe I didn't get selected or something like that. I would have my own little like rejection ritual, which would be like, okay, I'll, you know, go for a walk or, a, you know, every, it was different at each time, but I had something I would do to like create a little pattern interrupt or get myself back together and then come back to 
whatever you need to do. And that time period between when you feel feeling and then when you get back to being resilient will get shorter and shorter the more that you go through in your life, but also the more that you practice, um, you know, self-compassion and all these things we talked about today. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I like that self-compassion as discipline. I don't think uh, enough people realize that or recognize that in their daily life that like being kind to myself is discipline. And I don't, it goes around, maybe it was Jocko who said it, but like discipline is freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I really like that. Well, cool. Um, I guess last question we got for you. Do you think there are any misconceptions that we've yet to touch on that people may be having about overcoming and identifying limiting beliefs? Hmm, Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people try to um, like overact themselves out of certain beliefs. So this and me, myself included, like if you have a belief about yourself, we we either tend to uh, pretend it's not there and do activities to numb ourselves, like scroll social media, overeat, drink, whatever. Um, We tend to let it like overthink about it and just let it be on our minds all the time and not get anything accomplished. Um, Or we tend to like, as I said, overact, like over busy ourselves so we don't have to think about it. And so I think a big misconception or uh, something that we didn't really cover is just ask yourself, what kind of reactor to limiting beliefs am I? Am I the kind of person who tries to like avoid it and pretend it's not there? Am I the kind of person who tries to over busy myself? What, what kind of way do I usually react to limiting beliefs? Because then you can kind of start catching yourself um, and start to address it. Mm, I like that a lot. And so when you're identifying what type of reactor you are, how do you go about doing that? Do you look at what you're doing in your daily life now? Like, do you start with mm-hmm. the identifying the limiting belief through the brain dump and identifying it? And then like, well, how did I react to this belief? Or how do I in my daily life? Like, how do we go about identifying how we react? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the first step would be to ask yourself, is there anything in your day-to-day life or week that you don't like that you're doing? Like you're, I don't like that I'm scrolling social media too much, or I um, don't like that I'm not working on pursuing my business right now. Cause I just say I'm so busy with my other work that I don't have time to work on my business or whatever and catch that first. And then from there, you want to ask yourself, well, why am I scrolling social media so much? And the way you find out why is by stopping yourself and catching yourself when you're doing it, stopping, and then letting your brain come up with what what's on your mind right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it will probably become clear, right? But if you keep doing the activity, you'll never find out the real thing you're trying to avoid, perhaps, or distract yourself from. So um, it can be hard. It's easier. It can be hard to do and hard to catch yourself. But next time you're doing something you don't want to be doing, maybe try to interject and create that little break for a second and be like, wait, what am I feeling and thinking right now? Or like, what happened before this that maybe led to this me now scrolling or or watching Netflix or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so funny that you say that because I actually I have something that I really like doing. And that is playing chess. And I love playing these one minute games of chess uh, where you get a second for every move that you make. And 
while I really love doing it, sometimes I do it as almost punishment to myself or to avoid a negative feeling or to extend a negative feeling because I'm also a very competitive person. Mm. And when I lose in chess over stupid mistakes that I'll make in the game, it just drives me bonkers, right? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. there are times when like maybe my wife and I disagree on something. And so I'm feeling some negative emotion or maybe something in business didn't go right or it was a tough day at the job or whatever, maybe a podcast guest skipped out on me and I'll open up my phone and I'll start playing chess and I'll be playing these one minute games and I'll lose like three or four in a row and I'll just be getting so angry. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like the only time or the, most of the time those losing streaks happen, it comes out of, well, I was angry at something. I chose not to think about it. So I distracted myself with chess. That's a prime example of like, if I just stopped in the moment, identified it, thought about it, ask myself some of those solution oriented questions, it might be a better way to deal with that um, emotion or belief. You know, I might, I might be believing something like if me and my wife are in a little argument, I might be believing something about her and how she feels about me. That's simply not true. And yeah. shining a light on that would help that dissipate. Right. Totally. And so I really totally. like that. That's a really good example. And I'll actually, if really quick, could I share one of mine that I Go noticed? So I would notice I work you know, I would work all day and then I would, um, have dinner and I would catch myself like wanting to just keep lingering in the kitchen and keep eating. <laughs> yeah. And cause I'm like, Oh, it's so good. You know, I'm relaxing, yeah. whatever. And what I noticed, what was at the root of that was I had this feeling that, well, if you're not eating, you need to go be doing something you need after dinner, you need to go back to work or you need to go work on something or, you know, don't just take a break. Like, no, you need to keep doing stuff. And I caught myself. I'm like, oh, so the reason why I'm sitting around in the kitchen is because I want to <laughs> relax and have relief because I'm not letting myself relax and have relief without eating. It's like yeah. my only break of the day. And yeah. so I had to be like, okay, you're allowed to take other breaks, other forms of breaks. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was something I realized about myself. No, that's a great one. It's one of the, um, <laughs> you know, you start holding up that discipline as self-compassion and sometimes it could become a prison for you. You try to be so disciplined. You try to work so hard. You start mm -hmm. getting into the hustle culture where you're working 16, 18 hours, sleeping six to or four to six hours or whatever it may be. And you're just grinding all the time. And yeah, you can definitely yeah. get up, get on the wrong side, get off on the wrong side of the horse. Um, if yeah. you will. Well, cool. Haley, do you feel like there's anything else we missed about limiting beliefs? No. I mean, I think the only other thing I'll say is if you have a limiting belief that's more like you're bad at something or you don't have a skill, just remember that it's normal to be really bad at something before you've practiced it for many yeah. hours or learned the actual skill. So just be patient with yourself and know that you can start to improve it. It's just you it's unreasonable to think you'd be good at it if you haven't gotten the skill yet. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Haley, thanks so much for coming to chat with us about overcoming limiting beliefs. Yes, thank you. And for anybody who has limiting beliefs around time specifically, I have a free time management system you can get at HaleyRowe.com slash time planning. And I think in your portal, I have a free overwhelm cheat sheet for everybody too. Whenever you get really overwhelmed and your beliefs are causing you to feel stressed and procrastinate and things like that, um, the overwhelm cheat sheet might be helpful with that. 
There we go. And if there were any questions that we did miss, this is not the last place we interact. Come to the Q&A tonight. It is for VIPs only. Take a step, commit on yourself. Don't let your limiting beliefs around money hold you back like they did for me for so long. Join the VIP community, exclusive community, recordings of all of these interviews and the Q&A. And not to mention, you can talk with us one-on-one -on -one in the forums, as well as like-minded individuals who also join the VIP community. So we hope to see you guys there tonight, or you can always, all the speakers have websites, email addresses. I have a website, I have an email address. Hit us up if you have specific questions. We would love to chat with you, love to help you because we're here to add value to you guys. Hope to see you in the Q&A tonight and we'll see you on the next chat. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast and if it's really helpful for you, I'd really appreciate if you share it and or leave a written podcast review. This tells the podcast sites that our show is useful and it will be promoted to more people that way. Thanks again.